name is Steve Hammes, and I am, I'm excited to share with you guys. God's been doing some stuff in my life. I'm not going to beat it, India. This is just for... <laughs> so when I was 10, I was on a Little League team, my intro to my baseball career. And the Little League team is Morrissey Olds Cadillac. And I started to learn how to play baseball, and I actually got to be really, really good at it. I was pitching for our team, and we won the Little League Championships in the state of Iowa. When I went to middle school, I played as the starting pitcher on our, on our team for both years of middle school. We won our championships. And then when I went to high school, I was the starting pitcher on a varsity team my freshman year, and I pitched starting pitcher all four years. We won Division I championships all four years. So in my junior and senior year, I got the MVP award for being the starting pitcher, most valuable player. I had the most runs batted in all years. I got a scholarship to the University of Iowa. So when I went to the University of Iowa, I got to be the starting pitcher there in my freshman year. We won championships all four years. I had the fastest swing. I had the fastest pitch. And so after that, I got recruited into the minor league team of the Minnesota Twins. Played there for a few years and got recruited into Major League Baseball for the Minnesota Twins. Great career. And none of it happened. Because I was horrible at baseball. I absolutely sucked at baseball. <laughs> I played one year. This was the year. And, um, and I quit. So I was the kid that was out in the outfield on my knee going, Hi, Mr. Ant. Did you know you have a friend over here? Let me introduce you to your friend. And I'll build you guys a little apartment with grass. And my coach would be go, Get up! Get up, Hamas! Catch the ball. Do your job. And I'm like, Oh. The ball would come at me and I'd have my mitt up there and I was going to catch it and as soon as they came close, I would close my eyes and I'd miss. And when I was up to bat, I'd get ready and I would just stand there and I would never swing. And my coach would go, just swing, swing the bat, swing the bat, Hamas. And I would swing and I'd close my eyes and I would miss. And it was awful. It was awful, but my poor parents came to every game, and they supported me, and I know nothing about baseball, so. But that's how I wanted my life to go. I had that roadmap in my life. This is where it's all going to pan out, and this is the way my life is going to be. But God had a different idea. He was going to take me in a different direction. But that phrase, just swing, has been sitting and stirring in me for the past couple months, just as I've been thinking about this, that I've been a Christian. I'm 54 years old. I've been a Christian for a long time now. And I'm amazed at how much I still don't know. And I'm amazed at how I keep getting in the way of my walk and how I'm going to walk it out. You know, I make life about me and I complicate it. So over the past couple of months, I've just been really kind of chewing on what Jesus said when he was here, when he was on earth, and what he asked us to do as Christians and how we look, you know, live out our life. And I've been trying to put them into practice. Now, I'm going to share with you guys some things that I'm learning. And I certainly by no means have this down. I'm, I've got a long ways to go, but I'm learning some stuff. And I'm trying to put it into practice with all the people around me. And I've discovered that while reading the Word's important, it's important to know the Word because that's what God says to you. Going to church, it's important. Being in a small group, it's important. Working kids camp, it's important. But those things weren't the most important things to me. What keeps coming back to me is these couple scriptures that Jesus said when he was here. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
And in Mark 12.30, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So why would he say that? And what does that mean? I remember the first time I was told I love you by somebody other than my wife and my immediate family was from Ed. That as I got to know Ed, one time we were talking and we hung up the phone and, and he goes, love you, man. And, I, and it just took me back. It's like, I'm a guy. What are you doing? Tell me you love me. What does that mean? But I realized Ed loved me. Ed, Ed was helping me in my walk and as a Christian. So why would Jesus say that? So I've learned that being a Christian is not a spectator sport. You're either all in or you're not. We can sit there and we can read about what Jesus says. We can know it up in our head. We can know it. But we have to actually get in and do it. That's what he wants. It's not just a study guide. Jesus says, I want you to live this out. 1 John 4.16 says this, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. And each day this is getting more and more important to me to realize this. God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. He says, love your neighbor. And this is where this phrase that my coach yelled at me, just swing, comes into play. I'm learning how to do it a little bit better each day. And I've realized that I tend to keep a distance from people that I don't know, or the people that intimidate me, or the people that I don't understand, because they're different. And I can empathize with somebody's pain. I, can, I get it, you know. And I know what they're going through, but a lot of times I don't want to get involved because I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know where it's going to take me. And I'm afraid of what will happen if I do get involved. But as I do this and chew on it every day, I'm starting to look at people a little bit differently. Instead of looking at them for who they are today, I'm trying to look at them for who they could become. And realizing that why Jesus said that is love is the vehicle to get people from A to B. Instead of just choosing who I want to love every day, the people who I know, my wife, my friends, I'm trying to love everybody I encounter. So love the guy at Burger King. Love the guy that's going 15 in a 30 mile an hour zone that I get really frustrated with. I love the person that's my most difficult customer and the royal pain. Love the guy at the end of the South Willow Street ramp who's standing in there with the sign every day, has $120 shoes. Try to love each person. Because I can project an image of being a Christian. I can do that pretty good. But the, Jesus says the best way that you're going to prove that you really are as a Christian is by the way that you love other people. And Jesus says he wants you to show people who he is by what you do, not what you tell them. And I think we make loving our neighbor way more complicated than it has to be. In fact, I know that I do. Because we need to be with people to do that. You need to be with them and you need to be alert. You need to be spiritually there, physically there, mentally there. You know, when my son was 11, he came up to me and he said, Dad, can I go skydiving? I said, absolutely not. No. When you're 16, and I thought I bought myself off. He, he turned 16 and he came back and he goes, Dad, I'm 16. Can I go skydiving? I said, oh, crud, man. I thought you forgot about that. So I made a call and found out that you can't until you're 18. So I said, no, Nicholas, you can't go till you're 18. Thought he would forget about it. He turned 18 and he goes, Dad, I'm 18. Can I go skydiving? God, you thought you forgot about it. Fine. So I took him down to Pepperell and I was going to sign him up for skydiving courses, which we did. 
And then I decided, you know what? I want to do this with him. I don't want him to do it alone. So I signed my life away. I signed his life away. We, we took our class. We got in this plane and we went up 10,000 feet. And I got a guy strapped to the back of me and he's in the next row and he has a guy strapped to the back of him. And I'm going, what am I doing up here? And this guy behind my son starts scooting him up to the door and out they go and they disappeared. And then the guy behind me starts pushing me and we're going out the door and we get to the end and he goes, are you ready? Let's go. And we jumped out. And we did it. We jumped down and we landed perfectly. And you know the thing is, you can watch somebody do something, but it's a whole lot different when you do it with them. I jumped out of a perfectly good airplane so that I could be with my son. <laughs> and you know, that's the way God is with us. God says, you know what? I want to be with you. I want to do life with you. And God jumped out of heaven to come down to earth so that he could be here with you and with me and do life with us. But he says, you know what? I'm with you. The thing is, I want you to be willing to be with other people. I want you to love them, but I want you to escort them to me and show them who I am through you. Because the truth is, you and I don't draw people to Jesus. Jesus draws people to Jesus. And I got to stop getting in the way of that. Because when I get in the way, all I do is draw people to me and I don't really draw them to Jesus. Jesus draws people to Jesus. And that's why it's important that they see who he is through how I love them. You know, God didn't design you and me to just be a reservoir of knowledge, to learn Bible verses, to learn apologetics, to learn all these things, to be a reservoir of knowledge. He said, no, 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 I, I didn't do that. I didn't create you to be a reservoir. I created you to be a river. I want to run through you. I want, to, I want you to give out what I gave you and to be a river of life. So here's what I'm learning. And I'm going to be honest with you today because some of it, it's probably not flattering, but maybe you're in the same place I am. I got to get rid of some of the things in my life that keep me from doing the commands that Jesus wants me to do. You know, when we took our class, our skydiving class, they, they taught us this. They said, if you, when, as soon as you go out and you deploy your parachute, look up. And, and check your parachute out because there's hundreds of strings that hold the parachute in place. But if there's one parachute that goes over the top or two, you got to cut away the whole parachute and let it go and deploy your emergency parachute. And it's like, why would I cut away a perfectly good parachute? It's got to be big enough to do the job. But it's not. You have to cut it away because if you leave that string over the top, you're not going to land correctly. You're going to crash. You're going to die. And Jesus said, if you're going to be a new creation, you've got to cut away all those strings over your parachute. All those things in your life that keep you from being able to do that. And you know, a lot of times we think we got it all right. I've thought I've had it all right as a Christian, but until I, I step back, I've got some strings over the top of my parachute. I might do it right, but I'm going to land it wrong. I realize one of the strings across my parachute is this. If I meet somebody that's different from me, uh, got whatever going on. Instead of being able to love him, I fill that gap for what I don't know about him. I make a judgment and I put something in that gap for what I think that gap is. And it makes it really difficult to be able to love somebody when I'm making a judgment about him. You know, there's a lot of people in the world we got to be really careful of. Not everybody is safe, and I get that. But we have to use good judgment, but not live in judgment. We've got to go heavy on the first one and a lot lighter on the second one. Because there's a lot of people in the world that are really hard to love. I call them EGRs, Eggers. 
The extra grace required. And you all have them in your life, right? That person that's your egger. They're difficult to love. But Jesus says, when you start following me, when you start loving other people like I want you to, I will rewrite your life. And hopefully it's better than the first time. Another thing that I've realized is playing it safe and being safe are two different things. When Karen and I lived in, Josh, or in California, we used to go to Joshua Tree National Park. And if you've never been, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful place. It's, they've got Joshua Trees and it's these huge rock formations. I've got a picture of it. And we would climb up to the top of these rock formations and just sit there and you would not see another soul all day long. So one time we took a picnic up there and we're sitting up at the top of the rock and being all, trying to be all romantic and whatnot. And it's quiet. No one was around all day. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this fighter jet. And it comes screaming at us right above the rock. And the pilot tilted his wings and he waved to us and scared the snot out of us. We were just like, oh. And then the engines came and they roared past and pretty much ruined the moment. But you know, it's like, what are you doing? What are you doing in the middle of Joshua Tree flying a plane right above the rocks? And the truth is that they go out there and they practice out there. They, they purposely put themselves in a risky position to be able to get better, to be able to be a better fighter pilot, to be able to hone their skills. A recreational pilot's going to fly way above that, but a fighter pilot is going to go down and get into it. And the truth is, you know what? God says that to us too. He says, look, I don't want you to just play it safe. Because if you're just playing it safe all the time, that's not really faith, is it? It's just playing it safe. He says, I need you to get involved. I need you to put some risk in your life by getting involved with people that you don't know, people that you don't understand, because it's going to make you grow your faith. You don't know where it's going to take you. You don't know what's going to happen when you do, but it sharpens you and it makes you a deeper person. A lot of times when I go through a hard time or I'm in a difficult circumstance or I've got to be alongside difficult people, I whine about it. It makes me feel better. It makes me sound better when I do. But God says, look, I will take you into those hard places. I will take you into difficult circumstances so that I can grow your faith. Because he knows I would rather avoid it than get involved with it. But one thing I have to realize is that when I'm in the valleys, God has something there for me. He has something to teach me. He has something to teach you if you're in the valley. So I don't know about you, all transparency. Sometimes when I do things for God, I keep a score. It's like I do something for somebody, I, I do something nice, I try to love somebody, and in the back of my mind, I put a tally up, one for Steve. And Jesus says, look, when you're, when you're doing that, you're not really doing it for me. You're just doing it for you. When you truly learn to follow what Jesus says, we don't keep score. We get Jesus' heart inside us. And he make, we make loving somebody else be about him and not for me. And the more that we get to know God, the easier it becomes. Because the truth is, we all want to be a hero, right? We get involved in somebody's life and we want to be the hero. But Jesus already has that part. And he says, if you're going to brag about what you do or keep a score, that's the reward you're going to get here on earth. There's no more reward for you when you go to heaven because it was about you. The other thing I have to learn is that I've got to be willing to learn from some of the odd people in my life, some of the people I don't know, instead of always thinking that I have something to teach them. That's important. I always tease my family. I say, look, I don't like people. And they always tease me. I'm in sales, but I always say I don't like people. But the thing is, Jesus showed me this. He says, Steve, you, you say that you don't like people, but you do. You try to live your life in a basic chord. So I'll show you what I mean. I like music, so God teaches me things this way. 
in a basic chord, a major chord, if you don't get anything out of today, you get a little piano lesson. In a basic chord, there's eight notes that I can choose from. Some sound really good together. So if I hit note one, you got that, Nate? Nothing coming through. Hang on, let me see something. Well, should be coming through. Well, I don't know why. All right, I can sing it for you. There we go, thank you, Nate. Note one, sounds good. If I skip a note, this is note two. They don't sound very good together. If I go one and three, put a little space between them, they sound good. Three and four together, no. Put a little space, one, three, five. That sounds good. It's a major chord. It sounds wonderful. Jesus says, you know what, Steve, you try to do that. You try to live in this chord. However, he says, take number two and stick it in there. He says, you know what, if you start doing this, put one, two, and four, and five. He says, what it does, it adds richness to your life. Just like this, it sounds like that. Stick that weird one in there. It says, if you will let those people in your life that I put in that you don't know very well, I will enrich your life. I will add friendships. I will give you opportunities. I will give you opportunities and things that you would have never had if you keep those people at a distance. And I said, the totality of life, that's really what it's about. Jesus said, if you'll start doing things for those people that you don't know, in reality, you're doing it for me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome to think that if I do something for the least of my brothers or somebody who I don't know, I'm actually doing it for Jesus? When I meet him in heaven, I know he's going to say, you know what, when you saw that guy on the South Willow off-ramp and you helped him, you're helping me. That was me. When you saw that person that was really struggling, that was me. And we're going to get the opportunity to answer to him. I heard this phrase once, and I think it's really cool. It says, there's a distinction between a prudent pause and a pers persistent paralysis. Let me say it again. There's a distinction between a prudent pause and a persistent paralysis. You know, sometimes, and I don't know about you, but with me, I've waited for the sign to move forward. It's like, God, give me a sign. Should I do this? Should I do this? And Jesus says, pause, but get in there. Move. We don't need all the stars to align in order for us to get in and get involved. He says it would be well served to have a little bit of risk in your life, to get in risk and involved with people and love them a little bit more. God allows us to be uncomfortable in order to grow because we're not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. A lot of truth to that. So just swing. Just swing. Try it. When you meet somebody difficult this week or you're at work or you're somewhere and they're being stubborn or whatever, try it for 30 seconds. Just swing. Try to just love them for 30 seconds longer. Try to figure out the story, the piece that you don't know. Why are they the way they are? A lot of times I don't do this because of fear. I've let fear call the shots in my life way too long. I'm afraid to get involved with somebody. Push it out. Push fear out. God says, look, I don't care if you fail. I'm not about that. I'm all about you trying. I'm all about you giving it a try and whirl. A couple years ago, I, I shared here a guy on Elm Street that I got involved with, and I did this. It's not me. 
I wouldn't normally do this, but a guy named Reuben. Every time I went down Elm Street in Manchester, I came across Reuben. I don't know how. And I would drive down and I met him. I decided I'd start talking to him and get engaged. And I would always see Reuben. I'd say, Reuben, get in. He'd get in the car. I realized he was overcoming drugs and he was trying to get back on his feet. So I went out and I bought him $400 worth of tools to try to get back on track. I got him a job. I took him to his first day of work. Reuben worked about three hours and then he split. And he took half the tools and left and I didn't see him again. Caught up with him a few months later on Elm Street again. And he goes, Steve, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Now that could make me sour. That could turn me off and make, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to risk again. But Jesus says, just swing. You know, the thing is, when they teach your parachuting class, they tell you this. They say, if you go out and you deploy your parachute and something happens and you cut it away and your emergency chute doesn't work, you're going to die. You're going to go all the way to the ground. And when you get down to the bottom, you're going to bounce. And the first bounce, it's not the one that kills you. The first bounce only breaks all your bones. It's the second bounce that kills you. You go down and you pop back up and all those broken bones puncture all your organs and you die. <laughs> I know, kind of graphic, right? But Jesus says, look, you all know somebody going down. And I want you to be there and I want you to just catch them. Don't teach them. Don't lecture them. Just love them. Just catch them. You know, Ed mentioned this just a little bit ago, but forgiveness. You may say to me, you know, Steve, actually, it's really easy to love my neighbor. The people who I have a really hard time loving are my family. <laughs> because you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what my history is in my past. And you're right. I don't know what your history is. But the thing is that we need to be able to forgive. You know, maybe your ability to not forgive is your string across your parachute. We've got to be willing to cut it away. Because forgiveness isn't about keeping score. It's about losing count entirely. When Jesus was asked about forgiveness, he said, forgiveness, forgive somebody 70 times 7. And the reality is, sometimes it takes the worst things that have been done to you in life to bring out the best in you. Some people who have had the hardest things in their life have brought out the best in them. There's a book called Love Like You've Never Been Hurt. Right? I've never read it, but there's a lot of truth to that. The first step to forgiveness is that you've got to be open to it. It's like ketchup. Have you guys ever tried to get ketchup out of a Heinz 57 bottle? <laughs> You can't. It doesn't just come out. But on their website, they tell you this. They say, look, to get the ketchup out, it says, if you keep tapping on the right spot where the Heinz 57 is, apply a firm tap to the sweet spot of the neck of the bottle. And forgiveness is like that. It doesn't come out naturally. We have to tap it. You just keep tapping it. And after a little while, a little bit of glob comes out, right? You keep tapping and you be religious about that. And after a while, forgiveness starts to gush out. It doesn't come out on its own. So I want to close with a couple of scriptures. It says, To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. So my coach was on to something way back then. Just swing. Just swing. And I think I was on to something. Close your eyes and swing if you have to at start. But just swing. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I look around today and I see all the hate. It's in the media. Everywhere you go. People trying to tear one another down. People just destroying one another. And then when they're down, they kick them. You know, we're in a spot in life that we can bring light into this world just by loving other people. We're impatient. We're not flexible. We're tired. We're cranky. Our society is there. And you know what? All these things, it's exactly the way the enemy wants it to be. So here's my challenge to you. This week, just swing. Try it. See how God will rewrite your life if you'll just try it. I can tell you he'll make it more rich. He'll make it more exciting. He's going to fill it with opportunities for you and friendships that you never would have had. I challenge you this week, when it comes to mind and you see that person and you're afraid, push fear out the door. Give it a try. God loves the try. I want to encourage you, be willing to see what being in the valley can teach you. You guys are in the valley of your life. You're in a tough spot. Things aren't going well for you right now. But here's the challenge. Look for what God would have to teach you in the valley. And lastly, this week, choose to be a river, not a reservoir. Choose to let God flow through you as you try to love your neighbor as yourself. Don't hold it in. Let it go. God wants to flow through you. So that's my challenge to you this week. I think if we do that, nothing else, we make the world a brighter spot. But it's great to live out the commandment. Don't complicate it. It's actually really easy. We just need to step out. So let me pray for you guys. Father, we just thank you for, for your command. We read it. We hear it a million times. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. But Lord, we want to step out this week and we want to actually do it. We want to trust that you'll give us what we need at the time we need it. You'll give us the words to say and just help us to step out and swing the bat. God, I know that there's lots of things that you have planned for us. It says that you prepare works in advance for us to do. And how exciting to think that you've ordained them. There are people out there that you've ordained to be in our life if we'll just step out of our comfort zone and meet them and love them and show them who you are. Lord, we want to escort people right to you by the way that we love them. So I pray for our congregation. Lord, I pray for Shiloh as we go out into the world that people would see Jesus through us. I pray that you equip us and that we just have fun doing it, Lord. You jumped out of the, out of the heavens to be here with us. What a great privilege, honor to do life with the Creator. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you for all you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. If we can pray for you guys and you want some prayer, feel free to come up. Otherwise, there's food downstairs. And I pray you have a great week. Thank you.